there were two company cars amongst the five collectors. And I was senior, so I would drive the Lincoln Town car all week, and then I would trade the other guy for the pickup because he would, and uh, we would use that pickup to tow to the drags. And the first time we put it on the tow bar, I made Paula sit in the car while I went around. <laughs> I didn't know how it would react or if it was going to break <laughs> loose or anything, and towed her all around the neighborhood. That was something. <laughs> It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today. It's February 1st, 2021, and it's a good day, even though it's cold here for most of us here in the uh, upper Midwest and uh, the Northeast. Um, <clears throat> we'll see some warm in just a minute, but Brian and Bobby, um, we took a lot of uh, January... Uh, it's kind of a, a prep, you know, a, a, a vacation. I don't know if it's a vacation. Um, how's it going, gentlemen? What's happening in your worlds now, now that the first month of the year is gone? It's cold. It it's snowing. Cold. It's windy. If a tree falls through my room right here, somebody call 911 <laughs> for me. And it's a snow day. Stepson is home from school today. He's all excited, and he says hello. Awesome. You guys have snow days out there? <laughs> you guys would be trekking. You guys would be walking to school, right? Here, 20 miles. Here in the Dakotas, we have to get uphill. up early and put the baked potatoes in the oven a couple hours for the kids to go to school so they can put them in their pockets to keep their hands warm. You know. Now, I, I, I did uh, an interview with an old guy a couple years back, and he said uh, that when he was little, which would have been a long time ago, that they would have a tinfoil wrapped potato that they took with them to school, and when they got there, they put it on the fire, and then by noon, it was ready for eating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, my. Well, now that I've gotten to the stupid uh, racing habit, I think I'm going to have to take my can of beans and put on the intake of my race car so it would heat up so I'd have something to eat during the day so I can <laughs> save some money and put it into my car and make it faster. But unfortunately, the... Plastic intakes probably don't get hot enough to work anymore like that. Yeah, that would be weird. Bobby, have you ever heard of putting sandwich bags around your feet when you put it on your boots? Oh, yeah. Did that for years. I don't know if that was a Dakota's thing or not. When no. I was a kid, you uh, was a cold thing. Sock, bag, sock. Two yeah. pairs of socks. But I've, I've valeted cars for 14 years, and, and it would be nights like this would be the worst. So it was, a, uh, it was a definitely a learned uh, habit to stay warm. We'll say as I get it's also old. how I learned how to drive too. I mean, what better, what better practice than just whipping around people's Porsches and Ferraris and uh, the occasional uh, nice Challenger or Camaro that would come in. Which one was nicer? <laughs> the Challenger, the, mu the Mustang. It's funny that you mentioned the Challenger first, as you said nicer. <laughs> <laughs> the McLaren. I think there maybe you, you should take different lessons because I don't know if that really taught you anything about driving. <laughs> then I, I actually took those lessons that I learned. I went out to stunt driving school in Ar in uh, California, Irwindale Speedway, and learned from this guy who drove in all the movies. He's actually in the original Naked Gun, by the way. If anybody's ever seen that movie, it's one of my favorites. And I was really good at driving backwards through the cones because that was all I did when I was a valet. So, hey, I took those lessons forever. If anybody needs a stunt driver, give me a spin a car around. I can do that, by the way. Well, you, you've seen the video clips of the uh, the Secret Service driving the, the Beast, the president's car, backward around the track. That should be me. I it could should be, it be you. <laughs> yeah. 
Or I should be an ambulance driver. I can, you know, how many lives I would save? Really? Or would they yeah. just get thrown about in the back? With they, one hand, too. I don't need... I don't need Bobby them. would have the most fatalities once they're in the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it, I could shift it on the column if it had to be. Would you have the little skull and crossbones on the window for everyone that died in the ambulance from the being tossed around? Or? <laughs> it's like the football player's helmets. <laughs> they're full of <laughs> their sticker. We've been 37 minutes without an accident. Oh, this show is oh. derailed already. I think, Bobby, we should just retire. Just I don't even know. We should retire and just move to Arizona. No kidding. <clears throat> no. I wanna. How big is the our, our awesome guest today? The Cottons. How big is your garage? Do you have room for like two sleeping bags underneath the workbench or something? Or. <laughs> Ryan will sweep the floors. I'll wash the dishes. You know. <laughs> I just want to drive a Mopar again. Our guests literally had a cactus in their background. A cactus forest, it looked like. I haven't seen that since I played Super Mario Brothers 3 back in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> and I flew through it with the, with the raccoon tail. Our, our younger viewers might remember that. <laughs> the younger ones? <laughs> Age 30, 30 to 40 year olds. Posey, help me out. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so we do have a great husband and wife guest, a couple that we, you know, all want to aspire to be like as we <clears throat> enter our retirement years, hopefully, if any of us get there. They are, well, Mike and Paula Cotton out of Arizona. Arizona transplants, though, right? Uh, originally from the Tulsa area of Oklahoma? That's correct. Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. Yeah. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Now, the driver of, let me see if I can get this right, a 1970 Barracuda and Superstock IJ Automatic with a 383? That's yes, that's correct. Um, we have, we still have an F-Stock Automatic Duster, like a 73 Duster with a 340? That's correct, too. Yeah, that's, that's the car, or similar to the car that I've raced most of my career. Right, okay. Yeah. It's green, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And Jeez, then, Bobby, do you stock them? There was a horrible wrong turn somewhere where they picked up an 85 Camaro. That's uh, the silver Camaro. When I saw it on Facebook, I was like, That's, that can't be right. Who, who wrote that? Um, in iStock, I, IJ stock automatic. And coming soon, an 83 Camaro in J or K stock automatic. So something's really going on. I guess they found out how easy it is to run a Chevrolet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just made 5,000 enemies by saying that. Welcome, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> I won't say easier, but certainly cheaper. Cheaper, <laughs> that's what I meant. Thank you for having us, by the way. Thank you for having us on. Thanks for being but, here. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. But so, yeah, we, the, the, uh, the Camaro came about uh, after when Paula had her accident and quit for a while. She, uh, uh, after two or three years, she decided she wanted to do it again. And uh, we, uh, a friend of ours in Oklahoma, had that car for sale. So that's how we ended up with the Camaro. Gotcha. That's good. Well, always happy to see both of you in the driver's seat and glad that Paula is back in there having fun. And she's a terror. I, I remember coming out to Arizona in 2013 and watching her take out some heavy hitters at the Arizona yes. Nationals. That's, I think, where I first uh, met, met you guys. 
Yes. So I was hanging with Kip Martin that weekend. He had a, a Mustang just like mine, and I was trying to study that thing top to bottom, front to back, side to side. <laughs> yeah, I had to be as I, fast I, as him. Kip, Kip, Kip and I were very good friends. Kip helped me a lot. I, I really, really miss him. Really, really good guy. I, and uh, he did a lot of way. Yeah, he did. He back when he was at the Patterson shop, we used to uh, take our cylinder blocks up there long before we had the Superstocker. And then even when he moved out here to Arizona, he he did a lot of work for me. I really, really liked him. Really good guy. Good. He was a really smart, smart guy. Yes. Yes. And I was just impressed when I met him. He had his iPhone out checking results. I, I, I'm like, my my poor father doesn't even know, you know, he, he, he can barely, uh, he's still using the flip phone. I'm like, Kip's out here. You know, he's like 70 something years old. He's got his uh, iPhone out. He's checking results, showing me things. So I was like, man. Bobby, know. have you ever actually tried to look at a text message on a flip phone? <laughs> I, look, when I, I had one a couple years one two years ago yeah i was using it it was probably a month ago some guy goes hey look at this deer my kid shot and he opened up his flip phone and i'm like is there a deer in there like oh the camera <laughs> yeah the three <laughs> pixels <laughs> like it looks more like an inkblot drawing than anything you know yeah yeah the postage stamp size screen i remember him very well very well <laughs> well rumor has it you two met Mike's last week of high school. Mike's last week of senior year. Paula, uh, junior year, and you guys have been together ever since. What are we on? 40, 45, 44? 40, 45? We it'll be forty-five this year, and uh, that's correct. We and we actually dated unbelievably for four and a half years while we both went to college at different schools. She needed a job. Yeah, she wouldn't <laughs> marry me until I got a job. <laughs> Where did you guys go to college? I started at Oklahoma State and finished at TU and then at Tulsa University and Paula went TU the whole way and uh, I had a job I actually worked for Budweiser and so I was having to come home every weekend to work so even though at the time Tulsa University tuition was higher it was cheaper for me to come back home and live at home with my parents and and keep that job so that's that's ended up what happened. We knew we wanted to race at that time so we were already planning. Yeah, I already had, I, I bought the duster, the first duster when I was 18 and drove it to school. And uh, we, then when we got married in 76, within one year, we took it off the street and made a race car out of it. Did you find it easier to get a girlfriend when you, because you drove Mopars? <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never found it easy to get a girlfriend. That's why I kind of locked on to one of the early ones. <laughs> like, like what a keeper. I just didn't have that personality. <laughs> I, I love watching the old Chrysler commercials, like you know, like where the guy pulls up on the Charger and the girls just run to it. Like you know, marketing was a lot different in the seventies. I, I got to be honest, I never, I never had that. I was kind of a long-haired, geeky guy. <laughs> long-haired? No way. Yeah. We would have should have had you pull up a picture. <laughs> then I had to cut it all off and go into the real world, and then I never, never looked back. <laughs> so where'd the real world take you after college? Uh, believe it or not, I worked for a bank for uh, uh, almost three years, and I decided that that wasn't for me. I was actually a collector. I was a repo guy, repoed cars and stuff, and uh, I could just see I wasn't getting anywhere there. So I kind of started over, and I became, an, I, I became an inventory control specialist. I worked for a company that built huge, huge derricks drilling derricks you know everything in oklahoma was oil related 
And then I spent a lot of years at uh, a company that built oil wellheads and then finally went into the family business when my, my father passed away pretty suddenly and unexpectedly. And I took over the family business when I was in my mid thirties. What was that? We built, uh, my grandfather and father invented a type of pipeline pig that is a, a mechanical device that goes through crude oil pipelines and scrapes the paraffin. And, and uh, so I took that business over and ran, the product became obsolete in the last 10, 15 years. And I just kind of rode that business down to the end and it just worked out perfect. About the time I was ready to retire was the time that that product was kind of reaching the end of its life. And then I was off, most of my friends enjoy, I was also in the trash business for almost 30 years. And I ran both of those businesses from the same location. Well, that's but that most of my friends enjoy thinking of me as a trash man. That's what got you into the Chevys. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I want to get hate mail now. I know. We're gonna get... <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, speaking of trash, Bobby, no. <laughs> <laughs> still couldn't, still won't get him into a Ford, even though they were laying on the side of the street. <laughs> so this so... the Green Duster, apparently you guys... You took this on your honeymoon, and then a year we later, did. you said you turned it into a bracket car. We did, and uh, it uh, we bracket raced it for years at Tulsa. Uh, that's I still consider that my home track. Back then, they had a pretty good bracket program every Saturday night, and I used at the awards banquets. I sadly enough, I used to get awards for perfect attendance. <laughs> <laughs> We were always there, even a high school night and everything else, we would be there. And the snow would be on the side of the yeah. track and we're racing. And I and we, I had, I actually towed that car with a tow bar and then we would go out there and put the slicks on it and open the headers up. And if we did well enough to be there late at night, I would take the chance and just drive it home with open headers and the slicks and then coast down the street up into our front yard. But really, really good times. That's when we met Kevin Helms and, and uh, became real good friends with Kevin. And really, really some great memories from back, back then. Yeah. I think the tow bar days would be great. Like there should be a tow bar race, like the class racing revival that's coming up. How cool would it be is one of the prerequisites is you had to come with a tow bar. <laughs> that, I think that would be an awesome idea. I don't know. We got the tow bar. He was nervous and made me ride in it. <laughs> yeah, to we, make sure. We, Paula, you're a keeper. I was still working at the bank and my I had a pickup for a company car so we could and I would and then the other one was this uh, Lincoln town car there were two company cars amongst the five collectors and I was senior so I would drive the Lincoln town car all week and then I would trade the other guy for the pickup because he would and uh, we would use that pickup to tow to the drags and the first time we put it on the tow bar, I made Paula sit in the car while I went around. I didn't know how it would react or if it was going to break loose or anything. It towed her all around the neighborhood. That was something. No. I mean, how awesome would that be? I just I want to be driving down the interstate with the kids, you know, like, Craig, you're going to be going on vacation. How funny would that be? You guys are in the vehicle. And, oh, look, there's one of those race cars we talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now you go by a toter home, you're like, I wonder what's in there. Right. <laughs> you know, that is so true. And, and I was talking about that, you know, in the old open trailer days, you know, people would go by and give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And and, <laughs> thumbs down. and, I, and, I, and I do kind of miss that a little bit. It, it, it was kind of fun. I, uh, I had a 68 Charger. It was like the first kind of cool car I had that I restored. And I was 
going somewhere and I ended up, I let my wife's cousin use my enclosed trailer and then it was like, oh, hey, I need to go here with my car. So I put on an open trailer and driving down the interstate and that should probably be illegal. Like, it's like having big Bigfoot tied to the hood of your pickup driving down the road with that thing. Like, people are looking, I'm like, this is not safe at all. Like, yeah. some of those cars just are attention grabbers and that's, that's one of them. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely right. Yeah, well, th this past year or two, Paula, that's why Paula hadn't raced on the East Coast, because I'm too much of a selfish bastard to, to let her to take one of her cars. <laughs> and uh, so uh, she would follow me on the West Coast races on a, with uh, our pickup and an open trailer. And she would get, she would say, it was like the old days, you yeah. know, people would go by and then they'd be kind of surprised to see you. A, a silver-haired lady <laughs> driving that pickup pulling that race car down so that was kind of fun that's awesome now mike your first car you said was a 63 impala right and paula that's, you that's... had an an oldsmobile yes but you guys got heavy into these you know these mopars the dusters and the kudas so well i know that you you, you took the duster to your honeymoon so you, the dust you switched to plymouth pretty early on um how did all that happen I, I bought the 63 Impala almost the day I turned 16, and it was $275, and I drove, I drove wow. that for a year, a year and a half, and uh, transmission. yeah, and I, I used to tear, I, it was a four-speed, and I'm a horrible four-speed driver, and I, and I would blow trans, every time we would go out to the cruises, about every other week, I was breaking the transmission in it. And there was a bar ditch in front of my parents' house, and my friends would tow me home, and we'd pull it over the bar ditch, and I'd drop the transmission out of it and go to this exchange place, and for $80, you could exchange the train. And I did that so much, I would be getting the same ones back every two or three. I didn't know how to put one together. And then, so finally, I decided I was an automatic guy, and <laughs> I, I saved up enough and bought that duster. Uh, brand new. It was $3,088 brand new. And I traded that Impala in on it. And that's, but I'd already been a Mopar guy. I had gone to some of those performance clinics that they had that uh, Don Grother had come. And me and my friends were, we were already into the Mopars, even though we didn't own one. And uh, that 340 Duster kind of got it started. 3000 bucks for a brand new car back then. I, I still have, when we destroyed it, I saved the VIN plate. I've still got the original one owner title and all that. And uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was 3000. It stickered for $4,000. And I was embarrassed to tell my friends because that was an outlandish amount of money <laughs> for a duster. And, but it, they sold it to me for 3,088 after trading that Impala in. <laughs> My mom had a duster. I think it was a 71 yeah. duster when I was real young. Uh -huh. and it had a slant six in it, though. But my father always said, man, we should have just we could have turned that into a stock in a weekend. We could have had a, a 340 in there and that would have been us. We might have not been locked in these Fords for the rest of my life. <laughs> they do make awesome race cars. They, they, they are really, really, really fun race cars. It's really, really fun to drive and they're relatively easy to work on, you know, get uh, with a small block in them. And uh, I just, I love them. I mean, uh, but I like my Cuda better. I gotta be honest. I like the, I like the E-bodies better. You're on the 383 in that car? I do, I do. When we first bought the car as a roller from Eric Bell, that's, that car's got a lot of history. It was Art Pacheco's car and then Eric Bell had it. And then Eric sold it as a roller 
and we were going to build a 340 for it. And after we bought it, we were still beginning to build a 340. And I'm a, I pay attention really well. And that's when Don Little was coming out with that 383 super stock and his challenger that he runs in with the Hemi now. And I go, I go, you know, Don's smart. He sees something there if he's, if he, if he's running that combination. So before we even really began on the 340, we switched gears and went to a 383 and that's all I've ever had in it. But my, my intention at the beginning was to run it with a 340 and I would still like to do that but there's just not time and I'm getting old and I don't have another 15 years for a learning curve to figure out a super stock 340. How's the 446 pack combo on super stock with that car? The, it's very good. That's what, Be that's what Bell was running in it. And the 444 barrel is, is very good. They're all, they're all good combinations, but my car is still a, a ladder bar car. And that's why Eric, uh, Eric, sold it to build his four link challenger and the the 446 pack motors had evolved enough that it it was it was just too violent a car with that 446 pack and although he was laughing the other day in the 15 years i've had it the 383 technology i think i'm only about a tenth or 1500 slower now than he was going with the six pack but we've changed some stuff on the suspension we've lowered the car and uh, I'm going to have Phil Mandela at some point when he has time, we're going to go ahead and four link it and we're going to update the car quite a bit. I doubt if it'll be during the season this year, probably during the off season coming up. I mean, that's the cool thing about Mopars. I mean, the technology's really changed a lot. I mean, I think they're almost into the eighties. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's exactly true. We're, 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 we're following along behind. It's almost 1985 for the Mopar guys. Like welcome to the, welcome to the eighties. <laughs> Well, see, that's that follows with me being from Oklahoma. That's my joke there too. You know, we're we're living about twenty years behind. You know, and I and I enjoy it. <laughs> that's my era. <laughs> you know what? It's but there's they're they make great race cars, and I just love the looks of those Kudos. Like they're pretty awesome. My uh, unfortunately at this point, it's a little out of reach for me. So yeah, I'd like to get back into a Mopar someday. My brother has a Duster, and those make just great race cars too. So I can see why you guys like that car. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I really, I turned 16 in 1970 and me and a friend that still might, we went to the Tulsa state fair and they had three brand new e-body Cudas sitting there for on display. First time I'd ever seen one. And I just fell in love with them then. And, and for my whole life, that's been my favorite car. We had the identical green dusters at one time. Do you, I don't know if you remember, and we would qualify within a thou at every race we yeah, went. Yeah. If it was 12, 13 or 14, 15, it was always one, one thou difference. Yeah. We, well, we had a, we, her first race car we built in 97 and it was a, it was a duster, a real pretty red car. A guy painted, did a really, really good job. And Paula's brother was, who was my business partner in the trash business was going to drive it. And before the car was even done, I started realizing this is a mistake because we covered for each other when I would go racing. And I thought, well, if he gets the fever and wants to, this is going to be a problem. And before the car was even done, he changed his mind about it. So we, and didn't want to race. So we finished the car and uh, Paula started driving it. We, I said, well, you drive it a little bit and then we'll sell it. And that's how it all got started with her driving. And that really snowballed. Then we got the toter home, the yeah, trailer. That's where the that, that's when things started going down. Had to buy, build the shop. I mean, it went crazy. You know, this sure sounds like Brian. 
<laughs> hey, I'm going to get this car. I'll just sell it. It's fine. But I got to race it a couple times first. Yes. <laughs> and then it starts. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, Paula, I got I got to share with you. Paula, we, we just picked up a new trailer from T&E the, the week before Christmas that had been on order for about a year. And when we picked it up, uh, they had it inside because it was cold. So we're backing the toter in to hook onto it. And Paula's sitting in there with me with the dog. And I go, I said, do you remember that that time when we, when you bought me the tow bar for Christmas, the story we were talking a while ago? I said, has this gotten a little out of hand since then? <laughs> As we're backing in to pick up this. Thing. And it, now it hauls three cars and wow. a street car. I mean, it's crazy. All right. we, we're out of control. Yeah. I, I got a question there. Do you still let make Paula ride in the car? <laughs> well that's funny uh todd todd at tne told me when they test drive the trailers before you come and get them they have a guy ride in the trailer while they go on like a 50 mile trip down the highway they have one guy follow to see how it tracks with the guy pulling and some guy actually rides in the trailer so i guess that you know kind of a tradition at least turn the air on you know before you let her crack the window at least turn the air on no <laughs> That was really scary. I, I was traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> if he loses first round, you're going to make him ride in that trailer on the wind. Ooh. Yes. <clears throat> so I don't know when you guys had dusters. Were they the same, like pretty much the ex two of the exact same cars then? Motor, everything? I did. It, we had a lot, when we built her red car, I, I'll tell this. I can share it now. It, that car was a feather duster. I don't know if you know, but yep. that's a pretty trick car to build a race car out of. And uh, that we, I would bring it to the races and, She'd be driving at the Division Four races, and Chuck Nelson would give her a hard time and go across the scales and go. She, he'd go, how come your car's two tenths slower than Mike's? And so they started giving me hell. I go, well, we we put that car together with everything that didn't work on mine for the last fifteen years. Why would it be fast now? So they finally they shamed me into. We finally made it fast, but the hardest thing to do was to duplicate the carburetor. It took me about three years before if I wanted to go, if I would take the better carburetor and put it on her car, it would still be five or six hundreds better. And it took a long, long time to get where we finally had two carburetors. And then I, 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 I just, we destroyed that car in a towing accident coming home from Indy in 2004. And that's when we built the, uh, the second one, which is the one I have now. Uh, the the green one. Two green. Yeah, we had, we so we had two green ones for about uh, well till 2015 when Paula had the accident and destroyed the the original, and uh, so now we're down to one. We've been duster killers. Yeah, I was telling Bobby, I go the Mopar guys. I don't think are going to let me have any more dusters. I think I've been banned from eBay from getting any more dusters. <laughs> I think there's plenty of those out there though because you could pretty much go to any racetrack and there could literally be a duster class. There is. You know, I can remember going to Indy running class one year, and there were 15 dusters in H-stock automatic, and that was probably 85 or 86, just just dusters, and it, it was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I kind of feel like that, I feel like that's the Camaro of Mopars, you know. You're just, right. They make great race cars, there's a million of them out there, and they just work. You're, abso work. you're absolutely that's right. That's the thing, they work really well. Mm-hmm. And there's the two combinations, the 340, the 360, and then, and then, of course, the high compression 340. You know, for a long time, the 360 was the better, the better combination. But right now, in my opinion, the 340 is a little better. Well, I think Van Lance got one for sale, and he knows how to make them work. So that's uh... absolutely, oh, yes. absolutely he does. And that's an awesome car. That's a very, very nice car. 
I, I believe he's run both, but I believe the one he has now is a high compression car. I'm not certain, but I think it is. I think it's a D automatic car. I think it's a terrible car. If somebody's looking for a Camaro, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So did you guys ever run it? Have you guys had to race each other then when you were in your dusters? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She, she, uh, she beat me at Vegas and everybody thought that I, I laid down for it, but I didn't, but I, but I, it was, it made it a little easier because everybody thought I'd given it away to her. And, and then Mark Price said, that's the smartest man yeah, in the whole world. Yeah, Mark Price gets on the internet and goes, there's the smartest guy at the track. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think she beat me somewhere else too. And then one time somewhere, because we were in different classes, I think at the Tulsa points race one year, and there was a, there was a small field and whoever won had the bite of the final and a heads up final. And I think she actually let me have it because we knew that I would have the heads up final. And, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't take her lightly. I'll guarantee you that. I took a red light for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think you just, she knew that, you know, if you want to keep you driving her around and keeping the race cars, you had to get, let you have one, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, Chuck used to tease her about sleeping with her mechanic. He, yeah. he goes, that doesn't, that doesn't appear to be working for you. Yeah. Oh, I had this one race. Every time I pull on the scales, my car would not start. You know, you kill your car and give your weight. It would not start. Three times that weekend, I got on the scales. My car would not start. And the scale guys would push me off and be laughing and all this stuff. And I go, that's it. I am not sleeping with my mechanic tonight. I am done. <laughs> they were laughing so hard. You know, you think even though you're crossing the scales, that should be less stressful. Like, you already won, you're there, and then like, crap, can I go another round? Well, that's awesome. For any single listeners out there, Mike, how do you catch a woman like Paula? Like, I just, have... I really, really got lucky. We, we really, that that you know we went out on that first date and then we really for that four years we kind of knew we were right for each other you know and uh, we we both we just had both interests you know same interest and then in all honesty you know we were both well she was I was not even 18 when we met she was barely six to 17 or 17 and you know we you know we kind of grew up together really you know you know you we became adults we were already together so i guess that kind of made it easy i was always into cars and before i met mike i'd been to the drag strip by myself several times my mom found out oh man she was so mad because in those years you didn't go to the drag strip by yourself as a girl but i i was always a car person i love cars and, and the drag strip in tulsa was literally like six miles from my house and stuff and tulsa back then had a, a huge uh I think five eighths mile dirt track and you know stock car racing was real real popular and we we went on a lot of i mean i never participated in that but we went on a lot of our dates to that so we were just kind of always into cars we always were like the noise my my uncle uh that was like a brother to me only about eight years older than me had came back from the army and had a brand new 68 gto and uh, i borrowed that to take paula to her prom her band prom so that would have been like it was three or four years old 
and uh, we went to the prom for about 30 minutes and then went to the place well, where they all street raced in Tulsa we, street, we street raced. We oh, ran no. in and took a picture so I could prove to my mom I was there. Yeah, then yeah. we left. And, and, I, and somewhere there's actually pictures of me with my tuck shirt on. Of course, I had the jacket and the tie on, but I'm, I'm, drag, I'm street racing that yellow GTL. I told him that years later. He, he was an alcoholic. It went through some periods of his life and, a, and uh, at a reunion I said you remember when you loaned me that car and I took it to that he goes I loaned you that car he goes that was I was drinking then wasn't I <laughs> 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 yeah, I think you were I, think you were. Oh, wow. I was in my progress street racing with him were you the, uh, were you the fly girl did you drop like the handkerchief or? <laughs> we had fun we've had a lot of really good times met a lot of super nice yeah. people it's just been a blast. It, it's just a different life and a great family for us. Mm-hmm. Now, how we're hard really did you? Forward, we're really looking forward to going back east, and and uh, we're looking forward to the Butner's race and Tyler's Bohannon's race. I think that's going to be such a reunion after all this COVID crap and everything. And everybody's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it was. I kind of made the prediction earlier that if all this stuff gets shut down on the west coast, that's really going to change. Like, I. Uh, Everybody's like, oh, no, they're not going to shut it down, or that's, oh, that's not going to happen. People aren't going to drive that far. But I hate to say I told you so, but, man, it's sad what's happened to these racetracks out there by you guys. I know. We might move. Yeah, we actually we talked about, we actually talked about that a little bit. Luckily, we still have our home in Oklahoma, and there's room to park the rig there. And so we've already thought this year we're going to do this East Coast swing at the beginning, and then we're going to leave the rig in Oklahoma if things don't open up out here. And... Uh, you know, hit it pretty hard again. But I, if, if things really shut down out here, you know, there, you know, there's rumors that Pomona may not, you know, even before the COVID there was talk that, you know, the fairgrounds didn't really want that there anymore. And if things shut down out here, I would consider moving possibly to Florida or somewhere like that, you know, as long or North Carolina, as long as we can continue to race and everything, that's what we do. And, you know, that's what we want to do. So. Yeah, we go on a real vacation like normal people, and we count the days when we get to yeah, the home and yeah. get the cars ready to go. <laughs> yeah. We're looking at each other like, why did we do this for so long? And I'm talking two days. But why are we here, you know? <laughs> I, 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 spend, I spend five or six hours a day every day out in my shop, just, just right out that way, you know. And uh, that's, you know, that's just what we do. That's what we do. We've been getting the, tra- the new trailer ready, and I've been getting all the cars ready, and, we, you know, shuttling stuff here and there and that's what we do and if we can't do it out here we'll move somewhere where we can and we each have our jobs you know to you know i take care of all the entries and all the computer work even at the track and everything we each have our our jobs that we have to do and then in the mornings it's with three cars it's quite a show i mean you're up at 5 30 you've got to walk the dog you've got to get cleaned up we've got to have a bite of breakfast you got warm cars up do the tires you know get the computer set up it's quite a game if anybody comes stops and talks to us we're like "Uh uh-oh we're already behind a little bit then you start running and getting caught back up then you'll go oh i did put fuel in the car you know it's just stuff (laughs) like that you can't get interrupted or you miss something well there's a there's a lot of weight on your shoulders without the stalker alarm clock like how is anybody else gonna know it's time to get out of bed (laughs) well we, we paula is notorious for being the first one (laughs) 
to warm I up. I love that. <laughs> I want to be going down the aisle and waking everybody up. That's my favorite thing. That is that burnouts. She loves big I burnouts. I love burnouts. And whenever they stop me, I'm like, oh, can I do another one? This will be fun. <laughs> I see the John Force burnout half track. <laughs> I begged him one time to let me get in a burnout contest because I know I can win. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, if you guys, if you're, you're in the on the area, I guess my plan was to try to come down and run some of those Arizona Association races, but I flew into Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and it looks like Wild Horse is maybe doing a little bit of racing, but nothing formal. Like, was it basically like a test and tune or real small? Scale. Right. Yeah, they're doing private test and tunes and you've kind of you've got to kind of know the people I, I'm only in. There's four or five groups that do it and I've just barely got an in with one of them. Tucson is actually doing a little more and they've come up with a unique. I haven't done it yet, but I was talking to texting with Leo Glassbrenner last night and I think he may come over and do one. They do a deal. I don't know exactly. I'm sure I'm getting this wrong, but they can only have so many on the property at a time. So they bring like eight or 10 cars in for two hours. They all get four runs. And then like your, the best package wins the money or something. And then they leave and that number come in again. So they're, they're being pretty creative trying to figure out a way to get some things done. And the purse is 1200 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of a good idea. And we, we need to shake down her car. We made some changes. So it, some point we may run over there and I, I may enter one of those just to get some test and tune runs before we take it all the way to Florida and figure out I did something wrong. Well, the nice thing is if you run it, nobody will know really how fast that car is. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> she, she can drive that car better than me. I Not to mention the, the weight disparity. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that I'm, I'm really glad that Butner's race is happening and the, the Gainesville stuff like that's pretty neat. But this, this class race revival there at St. Louis, that's, that's probably, I'm really excited. I mean, we're what, 60 days out and just to give people another option. I think that's really going to change. That race is definitely going to fill up really fast. I think now with the way things are changing. I yes. I agree. We're, we're entered in both of those. And I, I am, I'm actually more excited this year about those two races than I am the Gator Nationals. I'm, I'm looking forward to how much fun. I think everybody's going to be in a great mood. Everybody's going to be glad to be there. The competition will obviously be off the chart. And it's, it's just going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward it to it. Excellent. Now, you guys, in the 80s and 90s, did you have a plan that, hey, as soon as we can retire, I want to race full-time, you know, yes. let's do this. Did you guys plan this out, or is it something that just seemed to happen? No, we absolutely did. We absolutely, you know, we, we raced as hard as we could. From the first national event I went to in 83, we – we spent every bit of our vacation and all the time we could uh, racing. And when I went into business for myself in the mid, you know, when I was in my mid thirties, I would take a lot of time and travel and Paula would fly in and out of the races. And so even while we were still in our working career, I was very fortunate to be able to go to a lot of races because Paula's brother would cover for me and then I would pay him back. He, he, him and his family liked to go on cruises and things. So during the off season, I'd work a lot, making it up to him. And, but we, by the time we were 40, our goal was to retire at 55 and, and really race. And uh, like I, you know, we said, we're gonna race as long as we can, 
or until we're sick of it. And I, I don't think now at this point, I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of it. So as long as we can keep doing it, we're going to, we're going to go. Well, on the day I retired, we hopped in the toter and went to Sonoma to race. Yeah. Did the back half of the West and I was already loaded. And we're, we're both real good planners. And we've, in fact, we've already got a plan that as we get older, we'll downsize to just a regular motorhome and a one car trailer and just race one car. You know, if I'm fortunate enough to be still doing it, hopefully 10, 12 years uh, in my late seventies, we'll just do it with one car. And that, so we've got a plan all the way out, just if, if, it, if we're lucky enough for it to happen, you know. I think that's, that's definitely, great. that's the key to success right there is having the plan and executing yeah. it. Like, no wonder yeah. you guys are deadly. Yeah, yeah, but thank you, thank well, you. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, but yeah, we we're both really we're both list makers. We're both real goal oriented and stuff, and 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 we kind of go back and take stock of where we're at and where we want to be, and kind of make decisions like that. We'll have a, a long race, and after we hit in the Toter home, there's a pad of paper, and he sits and dictates his list, and then after it gets done, I write my list, and then we're ready. And when we and to, be, to an extent, once we leave Indy, we document a little diary of everything that didn't exactly go as planned. And we start working on that a year ahead. And it takes a year yeah. to get that stuff right. And I have I have two motors for both of my cars. And one, one of them are the Indy motors. I, I, even though I can't win in class, my best super stock engine has been to Indy now four years in a row without coming apart. And it only has 41 runs on it. And then I run the other engine all the rest of the year, <laughs> and it and it'll go, and it'll probably go to Indy again this year. Although we're building a third motor, in all honesty, I don't think it'll be ready this year. And we'll so it'll it'll go to Indy in 2022. That's how much I I plan out and look ahead. Well, speaking of Indy here now, yes, the automatic horsepower factoring system is yes. going to be in play this year. Yes, I for one, I'm happy about that. But Mike, I've, you know, you and I have gone back and forth a little bit on classracer.com about this. I know you're not too happy about this. I, I, can, I won't say I'm not happy about it. I, I, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because I am old school. I love the idea of being able to, to have some place where everybody can showcase how fast they go. But I'm a realist and I understand that the AHFS is not being allowed to work right now because people, including me, know how to manipulate it, you know, and I, and I guess it has to happen, and I, but I'm not happy about it. I, I wish there was some way, and, uh, you know, maybe bonus points again for qualifying. There has to be a way to encourage the people to go, that can go fast to go fast and possibly giving 10 points, which would only equal one round for setting a record. And then people towards the end of the year that were shooting for a top 10 or maybe even a national championship would say, you know what, I'm gonna take this trigger to get this 10 points, cause that might make a difference. Or if there were qualifying points, even if it was only the top three, you know, in the old days, it used to be the top 16, but just three points, two point, one point for the top three qualifiers. And then people would say, okay, I'm going to take these triggers or I'm going to raise my average because if I do that four times, that's a round during the season. I just, if the HFS is going to work, there has to be 
an encouragement for the people to run their cars. And I really, really love the performance aspect of what we do. I really, really love working on them and tinkering and making them fast. And it, it's really sad that there's nowhere you can go. You can't go and let it rip. And I mean, I've been annihilated in Superstock J Automatic for the last four or five years. I think I was a runner up three years in a row just because of the ladder that I was able to get to the final. And, you know, by Larry, Larry Zabalik's car, Lincoln Moorhead's car, the Warner's car. I, I know all those cars are faster than mine and it didn't really bother me at that because I made a, I went a 126 underpass with my car at Indy, I think two years ago. And I'm prouder of that than some of the class wins that I've had at Indy. And even though I was like two tenths behind those guys when I did it. And all I'm saying is, I understand it's got to happen, but I can't say I'm real, I'm real happy about it. Maybe even another alternative would be at least at Indy, make it 130 or 135, you know, and maybe kind of wean us in on it a little bit. And I don't know. I, I understand it has to happen. I'm not real excited about it. And Mike, Mike is a performance guy. He loves performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, he spends a lot of time to make it work and he has a lot of class wins. He's pushing a, a hundred class wins right now so but but i did get to be on the fair side i did i lost three heads up runs last yeah. year <laughs> <laughs> so we're in agreement if they just raise the trigger a little bit that might be acceptable okay. see the thing with the ahfs is it's, it's never going to work when you're only taking 50 60 cars at a national event it's never going to get triggered there's no reason to you can qualify you can qualify wherever you want. It's an all-run field. That's why they allowed national opens to be run as fast as you want. So when you say that there's no place to do it, well, they could come back and say, hey, you got national opens. Run as fast as you want there. You're not going to get penalized. Set a record. Go two <clears throat> seconds under. My concern is at Indy where they take 100 – well, it was 180. I think it's down to 160 cars now. You never needed any grade – one grade point would get you in. So that means you could have your – oddball insane combo sitting in a trailer all year take it out for indy go 250 under qualify number one have that fun put it back in the trailer and never race it again for the until indy next year uh, maybe running at one national open to get the one required grade point so that is not that's not good either i don't think you know to have that oddball combo hogging a spot on a ladder where he or she doesn't have to, unless, you know, they're going to strictly tear that car down at Indy every single year, which they might, which it's probably going to be legal because it's, it's an oddball combo. Right. And it's just, there's no way that that car will ever get hit with horsepower. If there's nothing on at Indy, the Indy has the most cars. It has the most diehard go as fast as you can, uh, 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 competitors. That's why I feel like something has to be in play there because that's where it is do or die. You have to make the field. You got to qualify, you know, seven or eight under just to get in and that's what makes it so efficient at that at that race i agree you everything you just said that's is a hundred percent correct and but the one and you and i talked about this before the one thing that nhra has in their toolbox that they've never used it's in the rules of the ahfs that they can arbitrarily make a decision and give horsepower and i understand they don't want to do that because it goes back that brings it back to politics and who likes who and you don't like me and all that. But 
that is a tool. And if the car that you just described would be a prime candidate for that, you know, the, the, the rare car that only comes out and goes 185, I don't think many people would be upset if NHRA came back on the Tuesday after Indy and said, this guy has taken a horsepower hit. But, and I, and they, but they're not going to. I understand their reluctance. They don't want to open that can of worms. So it goes back to what you were just saying. It probably has to happen. It has to happen. Maybe uh, AHFS will work better with the class of racing at the points races at Lucas Oil. Yeah, Orleans. because more people, more cars. more cars will be there. But, you know, I'm at the point in, in, in my career, I would not take a trigger to win class because I, I build my cars to try to win heads up runs in the eliminator. That's why I'm there is to win the eliminator. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't go 120 under to win class at Indy now and take a permanent horsepower hit. I wouldn't do it. And that is kind of sad, you know, because I'm not the only one. I'm not, I guarantee there's other people that wouldn't do it either. Well, there's no incentive, right? What do you Yeah, exactly, exactly. If they were going to give points to class winners, if they were still paying contingency to class winners, um, now you're just limited to a trophy and maybe a mention in the National Dragster. But Precisely. I'm there to win the Eliminator, too. I, I think everybody's – 90% of us are there to win the Eliminator now. Back in the day, you, you had to win class to get in the Eliminator. That sounds pretty cool. I, yes. That was long gone before I showed up, though. Well, I, I, we were there just for the very end of that. And, uh, but, and, I, and in fact, I think when we first started going to Indy, I think they only took 96 cars, didn't they? I, I can't. It was lower. But, but uh, we never failed to – no, I guess that was gone because we never failed to qualify for Indy. So that was already gone before we even got there. But I can remember just barely squeaking in. In fact, I think we even got in as an alternate at Indy, you know, in the – mid and early 80s when we first started but yeah it was it was a lot harder back then or at least it was for me <laughs> it was for us that's for sure <laughs> just imagine if they let say they opened up <clears throat> so for any divisional or whatever or national event say they take 120 cars that qualified and they only took the top or make run class that you had to actually win to make it to the race that's going to fix the automatic horsepower in a heartbeat precisely <clears throat> precisely I, I, and I, I think as the quotas go down, you know, I think, you know, this wasn't my idea. People have suggested it on Class Racer. Uh, you know, if they only want to run 64 in the Eliminator, let 96 or 98 cars come in and make those first two hits. That wouldn't add 20 minutes to the, and, but then only take the top 64 qualifiers. And that's, that's going to change things. Plus it gives the people that are getting locked out of some of the national events because they don't have enough grade points, the opportunity to go and the opportunity to try to get in, you know? And I, I see it, I guess the, the only, you know, they talk about not enough pit spaces, at, you know, not enough parking at some of the tracks, but other than the, that little bit of extra time to run those 30 extra cars just for the two qualifying sessions, it doesn't sound like that much more time to me. And, and, it, and it, it, would, it would start pushing the AHFS system to work as people were forced to go faster to get in the field. I think that's what's going to be nice about these, uh, the bigger money races, too, is, you know, guys are going to let them rip. We're going to see what everybody can do. And, exactly. You know. it's, it's going to be a blast. 
because I'm, I'm going to let mine go. I'm going to I'm going to let ours let ours go. There's going to be a guy should be selling paper and pens here because there's going to be a lot of note taking happening that weekend. That's <laughs> true. Hopefully, there's no live timing. That's all you, you <laughs> print. Everybody's runs out. I'm sure there'll be a book. Nitro Joe will be there with a book from the the big money dollar raise qualifying ladder or something. I bet he does. I, I bet you're right. Yep. I bet you're right. Well, that's. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what makes it great, but like we talk about it all the time, and I feel like we're just pounding a dead horse here. But it's like, what's the reason to go faster? I mean, there's there's people like me that you know we're just trying to work into it and play it and get with it and just enjoy everything about it. But there's some really fast cars there, and there's no incentive. I mean, that's oh, I I agree. I had I had two heads up runs this past season with the Sorensen brothers. They beat me both times soundly, but that was the most fun. I had last year. I mean, you know, we prepped the cars. I knew he was fast, which he proved to me in spades, but it it was a blast. I absolutely, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. It reminded me of the old days. And before, I can remember when we first started, you know, you'd go to a points race and the first time you were in the top 10, you, you were excited because you knew everybody was trying every, you know, there was no reason to be sandbagging. And now, you know, if you, if you go to a race and you go one one under and you're number one, you know, unless you're going after the buy, people are almost laughing at you. You know, they're going, well, what are you doing? You know, what, how stupid was that? Well, yeah. same thing. I might do it. Yeah, Paul might do it. <laughs> I'm not very good at it yet. <laughs> you call me stupid. <laughs> Don't get in trouble, Mike. Come on. <laughs> so what? what is... Uh... Since we're on the AHFS rule, um, let's talk about any other rules. Is there any rule that you would like to see changed in stock or super stock? I no, there's nothing that jumps to the top of my head other than you know just because the way things have changed and the tightening up that the tech department's been forced to about teardowns and stuff. There are there are rules. I'm almost in favor of a little bit of a lightning of the rules because they can't enforce them and i can't go to anything specific but you know as 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 things change and things evolve if all they're if they're just only going to maybe tear down pull some cylinder heads and stuff like that maybe some things need to lighten up in the bottom end you know there was the arrow when everybody was a lot of people were running light pistons and stuff and then they kind of cracked down on that and so now that maybe that stuff needs to go back a little bit and just, you know, if the configuration of the piston is correct in the top, it goes because we all know they're not, they're not, they can't look, they don't have time. There's not time. There's not enough manpower. So if they're not going to look, things are going to start drifting into the gray area. And I think 95, I don't think there's, I personally don't think there's a lot of cheating out there. Because people have, you know, I have pride in what we've accomplished over all these years. So I'm not going to cheat and then get in a tour, you know, at tear down at the Gator Nationals here in three weeks and get caught with something illegal. And then people I don't even know are going to go, oh, that's cheating. You know, I've known it for 30 years, you know, that he's been cheap. You People want to protect their reputations, what I'm trying to say. But the inclination is 
to drift to where there's no enforcement, to go into a gray area. So if NHRA wanted to say, and this is my opinion, in stock eliminator, if the top of the piston's correct, it's correct. You know, if it's a steel rod, it's a steel rod. And, you know, no aluminum rod, stuff like that. I think it, it would evolve. I, I think probably the majority of racers don't agree with me on that, but it, it's, it's, it's got to be, they've got to be able to check what they say that, you know, are the rules. And if they're not going to check those things, then they should make the rules more lax for that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. But, uh, you know, everything else, I, I can't think of anything, you know, I'm not in favor of 10 and a half inch tires for stockers or anything like that. You know, I, I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> and we don't run light pistons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I actually, I think I've pulled a rod and piston three, oh, yeah. three times in my career. I've had to pull a rod and piston in a stocker, never in the super stocker, but. I've been the stalker. I've, I've had to do it three times. Oh. <laughs> yeah, in the dirt. In the dirt. <laughs> do you have a favorite tire? This is my new question now. I want to know what everybody <laughs> runs for a tire and a favorite oil. I run on the stalkers. I, I run Goodyear's exclusively. Uh, I've never even made a, a pass with a Hoosier. Not that I've got anything against them. It's just kind of what I evolved into. Is that a good, and, a good radial or bias? Oh, it's a radial. Yeah. Uh, we, we run radials all the time. And uh, I, I love Goodyear. And they are they're progressing on their Superstock tire. But I, I'll be honest, the Mickey Thompson uh, Superstock, that 31 and a quarter, is faster on my car than any of the Goodyear radials they have. So I run the Mickey Superstock tire. And uh, I've, I've tried every Goodyear tire, uh, Superstock radial they put out, and, and it, the Mickey's faster on my car. And I run Redline Oil all the time. Uh, but his favorite wheel, yes, he loves wheels. Yeah, I collect. You know, like girls like shoes, Mike likes wheels. <laughs> well, Alumastars, or what, what's your... Which are, uh, uh, I had I just bought a new set for the duster. It's uh, I can't even remember the brand. I ordered them from uh, PMR. Tony at PMR. It's a uh, is it is there a champion or something like that? And they've got the black inlay on. They're awesome. <laughs> but but everything else are I've and I uh, the Superstocker has those old uh, Mickey Thompson wheels that kind of look like the Frankenstein spokes. I really like those. They were and, really light. I was looking for yeah. those. They don't make them anymore. No, they do not make those anymore. And that's what I run on the Superstocker. But yeah, I, I kind of switch the wheels out every I time. pick my own wheels. Yeah, Paula He never it. likes my wheels, but I pick <laughs> my own. <laughs> What's one idea you guys have to bring more people into class racing? Loan them cars. <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably... I, you got to figure out a way to make it cheaper for the for younger guys to have to be able to come in and compete a little bit. Uh, when we did that deal at Vegas this year, you know, doing the pot and trying to build a pot, and and uh, Tyler Bohannon and and Butters have taken it way to the next level. 
but maybe somehow try to create enough money in the pots that some of these really, really good drivers that are going to these high dollar bracket races can look over at stock and super stock and say, maybe I want to get into that. So like, like what Tyler's doing, you know, some of these guys are, I'm sure some of these bracket racing aficionados, these really, really good drivers are probably looking for a ride to get into that race. And maybe they, if enough of those come about, or if, we start doing some of the pots like we did at Vegas, where all of a sudden a national event's worth fifteen or twenty thousand dollars to win. They might say, "You know, I'm going to get me a little Camaro that'll only re- run three under, and I'm going to go in and kick those guys' asses and take their money, which they probably would." And then once they get that car, at least what happened to me, and I think what happened to you guys, once you once you start and say, "Oh, I'm just going to be happy with going twenty five under and racing." Then the hook gets set, and within two years, they're going one under and all excited about class racing. So I think the probably the number one incentive to get the young guys in is the purses. We've got to figure out a way to make them look over at what we're doing and say, you know, messing with all those rules might be worth it. If I can go to Tyler's race and win this amount of money, or I can go to the Butner's race and win, have a shot at whatever it is, 50 grand or something like that. I think that's maybe a catalyst for bringing some of those guys in. I would, I would agree with that. And I think the nail that you're hitting on the head there is just the fact that we can't rely on NHRA to do anything. NHRA isn't going to increase the pot. They're not going to come up with these things like as racers and passionate people of class racing, we are the ones that are going to have to do the work, whether it's Butner's race or like you guys come up with that pot, you know, like that's how you're going to make it grow. NHRA isn't going to do whatever, you know, they're not going to do much to bring in new people, but the racers and the other people are responsible for your own destiny. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, you know, look at, look at NHRA as, as they're doing it as a business, whatever race you want to, when they, when they put a quota on there of 60 cars, and then we all look on class racer and people are upset that they couldn't get in and everything. Well, they've got 90, maybe they've got 90, 95 that want in for that spot for 60. Well, they've got no incentive to, they could say, oh, well, if we do this and it pisses off 15 of those guys, now we've only got 80 wanting those 60 spots. Why do we care? You know, yeah. that, that doesn't hurt us. So you're exactly right. We've, we've got to do it for ourselves. And I, I, what we did at Vegas was a lot of fun. I was really excited how many people participated and, in, and people that, hadn't won before or you know and I mean I don't count myself as you know I I I don't expect to win I don't mean to be sound defeatist or anything but I was proud how many people that didn't really probably one of the contenders were amongst one of the usual picks went ahead and entered the pot well we were talking about it a couple weeks before and people were bringing us money for we even decided to do it yeah so I think I think people (laughs) You know, for a hundred bucks or 150 bucks, it's worth it to me to see. And I would have loved for some first guy, first time winner to have won it, you know, and then been, you know, an extra 10 grand, although it wasn't that much. But I think that's what we've got to do. We've got to somehow figure out how to get the purses bigger. And the only way the purses are going to get bigger is... If we put the money, yeah, in. We have I to mean, do it ourselves. you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who don't want to hear that, but 
Was that a winner take all or was there uh, two payouts? Like a winner I runner set it up? up as a winner take all because my goal was to make the winner's purse big. And I wrote in the rules that the, if the guys decided to split, I was still going to hand the money to the winner. And it was his responsibility to split it because to be honest, if I lost, I was going to leave. And, you know, I, I get to, I you get don't to be left town. hold the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then as luck had it, I actually made it to the final four in stock and people, people wanted to split and, uh, and everybody agreed to the split. And I think Justin won the, Justin won the stock. Uh, the stock money. Yeah. And oh, Emmons won and he didn't get in. Yeah. And the Emmons boy, my great, great friends, I've known them since they were 12 <laughs> and Paul, they did not get in. So uh, Terry did. So, so, uh, so Brian won the, uh, the whole pot it, by, he won the super stock pot by being runner up. And so it was a lot of fun. I think everybody enjoyed it. And, uh, how, how much was, was the pot? They were both around four grand. They were both around. Yeah. Yeah. It made me really nervous having that much cash in the motor (laughs) Because normally, normally by the time I've been in Vegas for two weeks, I don't have cash left in the motor. (laughs) Yeah. Your your payouts at the craps table at Caesars. (laughs) I I told everybody I was going to take it to the cannery and put it on black 22 and double the pot. Double the pot for them. (laughs) But I mean, really, when you look at it, it wasn't that big entropy and look at the money that came in. Like you could literally do that at every race you go to and it wouldn't be that big a deal. I think we I'm going to do something and I'm not going to do it at the Gators. But I think at the beginning, I think every race that we go to in our division here on the West Coast, I think we're going to run it. And I actually think it might be a better idea to run it at the points races because there's more cars there. And so you could get the pot bigger and lower entry and maybe try to find some little sponsor uh, to kick in a grand to it or something, you know, and, you know, like an engine builder or chassis builder or something and try to get it up a little bit or maybe some restaurant that's near the track, you know, maybe throw in a dinner or something. Uh, We were going to work. I think we're going to try to work on it a little bit and build it up. But the, these big bra- these big high dollar stock super stock races are kind of taking it already to the next level before what we got, what we were trying to do even really started. But it made it fun. It, we had a real good time. We posted on the the back of our trailer where we were at, who was entered, who you know, type thing, and we kept crossing out the amount and increasing it, and people were driving by and looking at it and running their finger down it and they were going to get someone to pay. And it was really a lot of fun. And and then we even thought about selling the field, you know, the people that didn't enter selling the field for like 500 bucks or something. And, and then oh. anyone of those one, you move on. Yeah. The next thing we'll have a Calcutta at every race. Yeah. That's what <laughs> that's I, thought. Exactly. Exactly. I thought we could do a Calcutta party. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but what we were afraid of, if you did that, and then one of those guys, he, there'd almost be a financial incentive to let somebody else win well, you know? and we didn't we didn't want to create that stuff although i don't think anybody would throw a national event an opportunity to win a national event away for four thousand dollars at least i wouldn't but, who, but could, uh, who could afford to buy <laughs> justin lamb or jody lang exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we had to, you had to pay before uh 
what would we do it before? Yeah, you had to, we, we did that specifically. You had to enter before the first round of qualifying because we didn't want people looking at the ladder and saying, I don't have oh, I, I've got Justin or I've got Dan Fletcher. You know, I'm not going to waste my hundred dollars. I've got them first round or I have a heads up race. I can't win first round. So, but, but idea. Justin, you know, going back to the winner take all. Uh, and I also said, if there was a split, if the people agreed to a split, everybody had to agree one, no vote. It wasn't democratic. And when they went for a split, Justin, who probably was the odds on favorite to win of the ones that were left. I thought very graciously agreed to the split because the other people wanted oh, he it. was and, really not. And kidding. then he went ahead and he did go ahead and win, yeah. you know, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of the winner taking it all because that was my whole idea was to bump the amount of money that you get for winning a national event back up to what it used to be. So at Bohannon's race, when you're in the quarterfinals and they want to split, do you split? Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Like, there's a lot of guys I know that are like, I'm not splitting. Splitting's for quitting. I'm not splitting. I'm like, eh. I, I'll split now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one last question before we let you guys go here is, do you have uh, a recommendation or a guest that you would like to have us on this show? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I've really enjoyed the, I, I, I think Fletcher does awesome interviews. I, I, I like him. And I do the Emmons. Yeah, you ought to do the Emmons all together. That Get would be, all of them on there. That would crazy be, and fun. And, and, and Speedy, all four of them. Yeah. I would highly recommend that. That would be very, very they good. They would be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe some that just aren't, that great racers get Stan and Sheila Holt. Oh, they're really funny. And they, you know, they got that loopy tortilla background. And I think you'd really enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. Paul, know, Paula, uh, when we wanted to find people that weren't good at racing, that's why Bobby and I started this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say they weren't. We good. have the village idiots running the podcast. That's why we started there. Yeah. Well, I put, we put ourselves in that category. Yeah. We do. We consider, we consider ourselves 50 percenters. You yeah. know, and the the, the the great racers or the Beyondos, the Emmons, yeah. the uh, Fletcher, Fletcher, Jody, yeah. Justin, obviously. Yeah. That's that's what I always, I I always look at those guys, and I, I could I consider myself a twenty percenter. I've got a tw I've got maybe a two in ten chance of beating one of those guys every time I get up. There. I, I feel honored when they speak to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, the, the Holtz would be hilarious. You'd have a good time. You'd right. have a good time. She drives a stick shift too. Yeah. Yeah. Chick with a stick. Both chick of them with do. a stick. Yeah. Yep. Lupe Tortilla. I remember that car. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, we thank you guys for coming on our thank you for having us podcast, and it's been a great show. Very informative, and you know, we wish you guys the best of luck this year. Be careful with all your travels and thank you. all the uh, time you guys spend in the motorhome, and the fact that you're still <laughs> married after spending all that time together in a motorhome is, is pretty amazing in itself. It's yeah. 18 feet. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Just 18 <laughs> plenty of social distancing in there at times. Huh? Yeah, it's 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 uh it's an experience. Well, good luck. Thank I hope to guys. see you guys on the East Coast this year and to see you at the uh, big money races and the Gator Nationals and wherever I go. Hopefully you'll you'll be at those races. And we're gonna have our lovely producer, Mr. Craig Weinberg, take us away, pal.
The lovely, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Mike and Paula. Um, enjoy your warm down there in the, the sunshine. Uh, the rest of us aren't there, but hey, we'll get there. This is Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com, classracingtoday at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, uh, feedback, or you want to come on the show or help sponsor the show, uh, don't forget that we're always looking for uh, help to make this thing even better. Uh, we always thank our guests. Uh, it's wonderful they take the time to come hang out with us. Um, otherwise, it's February. Have a wonderful year. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Have a fantastic day. See you later. <laughs>